Welcome to the Action Catalyst, where we share inspiration and insights to help you get moving, overcome mediocrity, and move toward achieving your goals in life. From Nashville, Tennessee, this is Dan Moore, your host, partner with Southwestern Consulting and president of Southwestern Advantage. Sometimes the world feels crazy and lonely to me, maybe even a little fake. But what would happen if I slowed down and started offering kindness to others? The best leaders challenge us to be more, to focus on helping others before ourselves. We can change things for the better. No matter who we are or what we're doing, any one of us can be good to others. This sounds like a small thing, but I've seen how it creates a big ripple effect, where one act of kindness helped you and me, then it kept going again and again. Being kind encouraged someone else to do the same because they felt noticed, because they felt loved, more and more people joined in. Don't you want to be a part of that? A place where everyone looks out for one another? Where what we say and do can't help but inspire more kindness? That's the world I want to live in. And that's the world we can create, together. So let's look around, wherever we are, and be willing to go first. Because not only does kindness matter, it spreads. To join the movement, visit inspirekindness.com. We're excited again today on the Action Catalyst to welcome back Mr. Mac Anderson. Hopefully you had a chance to listen to last week's episode, and if you haven't, I'd recommend that you do so as soon as you can, because Mac shared so much wisdom and history from a career of impact and making a difference with people. So Mac, welcome to the Action Catalyst. Yeah, thank you again, Dan. I'm honored to be here. Well, that is great. Well, Mac, this week I'd like to do something a little bit different. Um, have you been a classroom teacher before? No. Okay. Well, this is your chance. Okay. <laughs> we're okay. Gonna, we're going to have you put on the teacher role for this classroom that's scattered all over the world. Um, I know this is going to be challenging for you because you regard yourself first and foremost as a student, and you prefer to listen actually than talk, and I know that. But you've got so much to share about the things that, that anybody that's working to build something lasting also faces. So I'm going to just ask you some questions as we go along, and, and please just share how you actually feel about each one of these. Is that okay? Will do. Good deal. Um, despite the fact that you have been in the motivation business, I'm sure that there have been times that you have been short of motivation yourself, times that you uh, feel like you've hit a total brick wall. It could be finances are, are short. It could be organizational difficulties, how to work something out, uh, staff motivation, competitive pressure, legal challenges. There's not really any limit to the kind of obstacles <laughs> people can face. Yeah, I faced all those, by the way. Okay, I'm not disappointed. So I'm just curious, when, when you feel like you've come up to one of these, these sheer brick walls, um, what, what do you say to yourself, first of all? And then are there certain steps that you try to fall back on that help you get through these difficulties? Yeah, well, if you're an entrepreneur, it's not a matter of uh, if, it's a matter of when uh, you, you hit brick walls. And, and, and uh, because uh, again, life as an entrepreneur is filled with peaks and valleys and uh, you've really got to learn to manage your, your attitude in that regard. And it's not always easy, but uh, one of my biggest brick walls that I hit uh, <laughs> happened in, I call it the, the, the fall of 94. Uh, again, I shared with you that we went from 3 million to 50 million uh, from 90 to 94. And then um, uh, in the fall of 94, uh, my, uh, my CFO was diagnosed in the summer uh, with 
terminal brain cancer. Oh no. And I was devastated for Jim um, and his family. But Jim was and his department were creating a software program that would connect accounting to fulfillment in the warehouse. And that was, and this was during our big growth spurt, and we had to have it to to get through the uh, holiday season. So it had to be finished by September the first. And, and September the first rolled around. And they said, you know, it'll be done next week, next week. And I kept hearing that for uh, for two months. And at the end of the day, it was a uh, an entrepreneur's uh, nightmare. I mean, we had thousands of orders, thousands that couldn't be shipped. We had stores that were sitting in malls uh, empty because we couldn't get product to them. And um, uh, as a result, um, it was probably the most stressful time in my entrepreneurial life. And and, uh, when the dust settled in January, um, I'll never forget uh, my new CFO. Unfortunately, Jim had had passed away, but my new CFO came to me with the bad news that uh, in that last quarter of that year, we had lost $3 million. Oh my gosh. And uh, so needless to say, I was, uh, I was devastated. But um, Mike Singletary was on our board at that time. Mike was the Hall of Fame linebacker for the Chicago Bears. And Mike is a very positive, motivational guy. And I'll never forget, I was totally down in the dumps and he comes into my office. He says, Mac, he said, we can get through this. He said, this is a bump in the road. He said, uh, you're the same guy that, that helped to create uh, thousands of products that have inspired millions of people. You're the same guy that took us from 3 million to 50 million. He said, you can, you can do this. And, and uh, you know what? Um, after that conversation uh, with Mike, I said, you know, uh, I'm going to give this a shot. I think I can do it. Uh, I, you know, there were times I thought this is it. You know, I'm going to close the doors. But, uh, but, but Mike convinced me that I could do it, and um, as a result, uh, uh, I went out and and did do it. And, I mean, I, I had to raise. The bank said you got to raise uh, 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 two million dollars in the next uh, six months, and and uh, I went out and did it. And not only did we survive after that, but we flourished. And and uh, but what I really learned, and, and is that uh, what I called when you when you fail, if you have the right attitude, you can fail forward, and you can learn from those mistakes. And and the big lesson that I learned was that again, my skills were people skills and creative skills, but I had to hire great people on the account. Uh, operations and accounting side that had been there and done that uh, to, to help me grow the business again. So it was, I had failed uh, uh, miserably, but uh, it, I, I'd learned a great lesson along the way. And one of my favorite quotes is, is a Henry Ford quote it said, failure is only the opportunity to begin again more intelligently. And uh, that's what I think I did and, and learned some very valuable lessons. But uh, along the way, Dan, uh, to, to get through those bumps in the road, um, you, you've, you've got to learn to, to manage your, your attitude, in my opinion. And uh, one of the keys for me in managing my attitude, uh, and it may sound too simple to feel important, but it's important to me, is, is exercise. And, and uh, you know, my attitude, my energy levels are, are directly tied to, to exercise. And uh, I, I had a friend, uh, I saw him uh, a few years ago, and, and 
Uh, I said, Tony, uh, you look great. He's, he's, he's 65. He looks like he's 55. And he said, I feel great. I got a second job. I said, a second job. I said, uh, uh, I thought your import business was doing well. He said, well, he said, it is. My second job's on the treadmill every morning between six and seven. He said, when I started looking at it like a second job, I showed up whether I wanted to or not. He said, he said, the pay's lousy, uh, <laughs> but the benefit to my health and my attitude uh, is priceless. And I, I thought about that. And, and um, you know, more than anything, exercise is a stress buster. And, and uh, uh, the World Health Association says uh, 80% of all illnesses are directly or indirectly caused by stress. So if you don't find ways to bust stress, uh, it, eventually it'll come back and, and bust you. So exercise is, is so uh, important, but uh, other other things to do it is just reading inspirational books. But more than anything, is it, talking to to positive friends that I respect, and, and just like a little uh, a shot in the arm from 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 a Mike Singletary uh, or other entrepreneurs that have done well that I respect, uh, and I'll I'll share my my problems with them or my concerns with them, and and they usually can give me some good advice to get me back on track. Mm-hmm. So surround yourself with other people that, that are positive, productive people, and they can be an encouragement to you. Absolutely. And, and, and many times I provide that same encouragement for them when, 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 they're, when they're off track, you know. And again, life as an entrepreneur is filled with peaks and valleys. And you got to recognize when you're in one of those valleys, you know, how do you, how do you dig, dig out and get, get back on the right direction? Right, right. Well, I think that's an inspiring story because I'm sure a lot of people look at your success and think it was just an unblemished path with just one good thing going to another. <laughs> and no, uh, those people that think that uh, have not been entrepreneurs many times because, <laughs> <laughs> again, anyone that starts their own business, uh, it, it's, it's like, uh, you know, I have often said starting your own business is like going through a maze. Uh, you, you start, you know, you, you hit the wall, you go sideways, you back up, you know, and you're, you're constantly changing direction uh, based on what's working and what's not. And, and at the end of the day, um, you know, you look out, hey, there's a little light at the end of the tunnel there. And, and it's, you, you go through tremendous learning curves because each business I've started, whether it be McCord Travel, uh, Successories, uh, or Simple Truths, um, the, the way we, where we ended up was not the way the business plan was drawn up in the beginning. And, uh, you know, we went through, we learned what worked, what didn't, uh, we made mistakes, we learned from those, uh, and, and we moved forward. But, uh, so, uh, um, it, it, you know, life as an entrepreneur is p filled with peaks and valleys. And as long as you know that and understand that and surround yourself with positive people and, and you really learn how to manage your attitude, whether it's, uh, whether it's uh, exercise or talking with positive people. And, and there also, I use uh, something else. It's also called what I call emotional triggers. Um, and I've got a little uh, CD that I have my three favorite songs on. They each have a personal meaning. Sometimes I'll just get in my car and drive and, and roll up the windows. And, and uh, one is It's a Wonderful World by Louis Armstrong. Uh, you, you can't uh, feel bad and listen to that song. Uh, the other is Wind Beneath My Wings. Uh, Bette Midler, I think about my dad and what he meant to me. And and the others, I Hope You Dance, uh, Leanne Womack. You can't listen to that and not feel like you want to go out and do something good. Uh, so the, for me, it's a very personal thing, these emotional triggers. What works for me may not work for, for you. It could be just looking back at letters from your mother or father or your, uh, uh, your kids or, or, or whatever. 
And the other emotional trigger is, is kind of crazy, but it works for me. It's what I call a one-minute laugh. And, and if, you, if you're down in the dumps and you get in the car and, and you roll up the windows and you force yourself to laugh for one solid minute, not, not 15 seconds, not 30, but one solid minute, I, I guarantee you, I guarantee you, you'll feel better at, at the end of the laugh. Um, but, uh, you know, sometimes again, it, it's, it, it's a very personal thing, but, but use emotional triggers to manage your attitude, uh, use exercise to manage it, use positive books to manage it. And Zig Ziglar was a friend of mine and Zig said, yeah, and, and use reinforcement. He said, you know, and when I speak, people often come up to me and say, Mac, uh, 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 I say, Zig, uh, I liked what you had to say, but, but, but really for me, motivation doesn't last. And Zig said, I look at him, I say, bathing doesn't either. That's why I recommend it daily. <laughs> and so if you know uh, how to reinforce the positive on a regular basis, one of the keys to staying motivated, managing your attitude is, is reinforce, reinforce, reinforce. It's like one of the keys to making money in real estate is location, location, location. Uh, but uh, so, you know, I, I think that uh, managing your attitude, because any leader, let me tell you, um, if you've got a team, believe me, uh, uh, you know they're 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 looking at you to stay positive because the minute they see you're you're down, uh, they're going to be doubling doubly down. Uh, so it's it's a challenge, but as an entrepreneur, you you have to learn to do it. The leader always sets the tone. No question. Uh, no question about that. There's there's an old saying that people will do about half what you do right and twice what they see you do wrong when you're in a leadership role. And so modeling these behaviors and these triggers and reinforcements are so really key. Did you consciously teach these behaviors to your team when they're down, when they're discouraged? Did you share these strategies with them? Uh, yeah, we would talk about it. And certainly, certainly with your, your key leaders, you know, you have, uh, you have meetings and talk about what's working, what isn't. And, and obviously, uh, it's up to me, uh, you know, you hire good people. And my main job is to, is to, uh, um, uh, share, share the mission and have them, you, you know, first of all, uh, you got to believe, you, you got to believe in what you're doing and you got to have a purpose and a mission to believe in and, and belief fuels passion and, and passion, uh, passion is an unstoppable force at times. Uh, uh, and, and, and so, uh, believing what you're doing, uh, really helping your team uh, to to believe in what the mission is, and, and the purpose is, uh, and and you know really the team uh, if it's a great team they're, they're keeping each other motivated. So um, it's you've got you've got in every in every company you've got you know three or four um, key leaders. And, and those leaders should be a reflection of you and your values and how you think. And obviously, they're going to hire people under them that are a reflection of them. And, and that's, uh, that's what building a, a positive team is all about. That's great. Mac, did you ever hire anybody that you considered to be smarter than you and more talented than you? Uh, tons of people. <laughs> tons of people. Uh, 
not only hired people, but I, I've met people over the years that I've learned from. Every time I speak, uh, uh, I, I, I meet people that are smarter than me, and I learn from them. And, and the authors I had the privilege of meeting over the years, the, the Ken Blanchards of the world, the, the Brian Tracys, the Stephen Coveys, the uh, uh, Ken Blanchards, the John Maxwells, uh, I, I, I met all those guys, and I learned from all those guys. And, uh, uh, but yeah, hiring people, uh, obviously, again, uh, you know, if you, if you're hiring someone to lead the, uh, the IT department, uh, they're going to be a lot smarter than I am, uh, uh, regarding IT or someone to, to, there, there, there's so many different functions, but there, there are no questions that no, no question that, uh, but I, I would rather, um, when you're hiring someone, you've got to really look at two things. Number one, are they talented, very talented at what they do? But secondly, do they have the right attitude? Because if they don't, they can pull people down. And one of the best lessons I ever learned from someone is that, and, and, and it was a fault of mine, sometimes I was loyal to a fault, you know, when you're when you're making changes in your organization, you're trying to get your team on board. There can always be some negative forces out there that don't want to go with the flow. And and he said uh, one of the best things that you can do is, is pull the weeds. He said because the weeds can take over the garden. And uh, you know, me, I'm a I'm a pretty mild mannered guy, and sometimes, like I said, loyal to a fault. But, you know, when I started looking at people who were a negative force in the organization and didn't want to play by our rules to really grow the business and really stay positive and serve the customer in a meaningful way, um, uh, you know, I, I learned to, to, to pull the weeds. And it's amazing uh, if you do that in a few departments, uh, it, it's amazing what, what, what a turnaround in the attitude can be because one, one bad apple can spoil the bunch. Mm-hmm. It's almost like if you have a garden that's covered with a completely opaque shade and you can just pull that shade back and a little bit of light in, people thrive and they blossom. But when the dark shade's over them, they can't really get anything going. Yes. Great. Um, I, I wonder if you could expand on that, on that a little bit because any organization that grows and the different companies that you've built, um, you're bound to work with people that are tough to work with. And I don't mean just because they're smart but they're strong-willed or they're opinionated and it's in a direction different than what you think should be the mission of the company. What have you, what have you found to be effective ways to help what you might call difficult people uh, channel that energy and willpower and usually very high intelligence back into the right direction? Yeah, of course. <laughs> Everybody has worked with difficult people at times. and. Uh... You know, there are two types of difficult people. Uh, w one can be uh, uh, someone that uh, can be difficult at, at times that, that they need to be difficult. Uh, one of my favorite quotes is, if two people in business always agree, one is unnecessary. Uh, so I have made a point of not hiring yes uh, people, uh, whether it's a uh, a gal or a guy, uh, you want people that uh, to to stand up for what they believe in and and, and and try to sell you on that at the end of the day. So uh, uh, that is not my definition of a difficult person, but at times uh, they can hurt your feelings, you know, if they disagree. And at the end of the day, many times, you know, uh, they're right. 
So, I mean, I, I really applaud people that stand up for what they believe, but knowing at the end of the day, it's, it's, gonna, be, it's gonna be my call, but uh, I get to hear what they have to say and, and listen to what they have to say with great respect. But the other uh, type of difficult person is, is uh, the, the person that, um, um, you know, is difficult to the, to the, to the degree that, that uh, they are causing problems with, within the department. And, and they can be, um, so th those people are, are, are the kind of people that you sit down and you, you have the conversation with and, and you really listen to what they have to say and you ask all, and you ask the questions. And, and again, one of the greatest qualities of any great leader is, 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 the, is the willingness to listen and then ask questions. I mean, Jim Cathcart, Dan, had, had a wonderful definition for listening. He said, Listening is wanting to hear. It's an emotional process, and and, um, and he said, really, there's a simple two-step process to be a great listen. That's listen, ask, listen, ask. But so many people, he said, use that other two-step model, which is hear, talk, hear, talk. And uh, so, you know, I, I never forgot that because uh, the people that I really respect uh, as leaders and and really as as friends. Are, are, are wonderful listeners, but uh, the whole key of listening is wanting to hear. The key word there is wanting, because you can tell if someone is just listening, waiting to talk, uh, or, or, or really listening to what you have to say. So, so uh, but some of those people that aren't willing to listen, that are difficult, or uh, are, are, uh, are, you know, you need to pull the weeds. But the ones that are good people, but are, are, are but you want to keep in the organization, is is really just to sit back and let them tell you exactly why they're unhappy or what why they disagree with you. And again, it's to listen, ask, listen, ask, and at the end of the day. It may be a situation where you know it's best for you and the company to let them move on, but if they're great, if they're a great person and they can be saved, uh, sometimes that that one hour of just listening and asking questions, uh, and, and then at the end of the day, you can ask the question, you know, oh, what can I do to make you feel different? Um, and they really appreciate that because they know you've listened to everything they had to say. Mm-hmm which can be difficult for strong people that are strong leaders to sometimes just back up and care enough to listen. It, it can be very difficult, but it's a, it's a wonderful quality to have. Oh, I think that's fantastic. Um, you've had five so far successful businesses and knowing you, you don't sit still for long. There'll be, there'll be more coming. Um, most human beings look forward to a day that they can coast, that they can go, wow pressure's off, not really have to work as hard. Now, some people start that process really early in their <laughs> careers. <laughs> and they're victims of the character we call Mr. Mediocrity. Uh, they start doing less than superior work. They start looking for shortcuts. They kind of get complacent. They get in a rut. And Mac, in your life, you've never allowed that to happen. Why not? You've had many times when you could just say, hey, look how well I've done. Well, you know what, Dan? It's because if I, <clears throat> number one, I'm a, I'm a competitor, and, and, and if I really believe in something, and I can, be, I believe that I can use my skills to help bring it to life, then then um, that's what I'm going to do. 
And, and uh, uh, again, belief fuels passion. And if you have a mission, and, and our mission in the past with successories and simple truths, it, it's really about reinforcing the positive in the world. And we got thousands and thousands of letters uh, and calls from people that, that have thanked us for doing that. And I have to tell you, that feels great. I mean, whether it be school teachers or, or football coaches or presidents, uh, CEOs of companies, uh, whether it be moms, dads, um, I mean, uh, sometimes just again, it's not what you say, it's how you say it and how you present it in, in content in a book that the light bulb goes from off to on. Um, but so if I if I really believe in something, uh, then I'm not going to go at it uh, half-heartedly and and really. Uh, you know, one of the one of the books that that I co-authored that it was probably my my you know my my best-selling book. It sold two million copies. Was a book called Two Twelve: uh, The Extra Degree, and uh, uh, the concept behind Two Twelve, if you haven't heard it, uh, at Two Eleven, water's hot, you know, very hot, uh, but at Two Twelve, it boils and turns to steam. Uh, and, and steam can power a locomotive. And it's that one extra degree that makes all the difference. And it's sometimes, so many times in life, it's that one extra degree of effort uh, that separates the good from the great. And, and, and when you think about it, I mean, how many great managers have you have that didn't, uh, that, that didn't use the 212 philosophy? Uh, uh, teachers, coaches, even parents that didn't embrace that one extra degree, and it made all the difference. And you can tie that back to service and, and leadership and attitude. And, and when I speak, many times it's, it's about how to, how, to, how to create a 212 culture in your company. And, and, and really, when you have that 212 mindset, it's very difficult uh, to coast uh, because, you know, you're always looking uh, to make something all it can be, whether it be better service or, or, or better teamwork or, 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 or better leadership or, 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 or uh, having a better attitude, uh, you know, because that, it, it, the, it does separate the good from the great. That one extra degree it can make all the difference. Mm-hmm. So when you're true to your mission and it's a mission that is of great value, you never really are finished. You can always motivate people better. You can always encourage the world more. I hear you saying that really clearly. Well, if you believe in what you're doing, right. if you believe in your mission, it's hard to um, coast. Mm -hmm. uh, and you got a purpose, you got a mission. And, and every day you, you wanna get one step closer to, to accomplishing uh, that mission or that goal in life. And, and the other thing is, is really setting uh, what I call um, uh, short-term realistic goals constantly. So many times um, people think that, uh, uh, you know, it's the, it's the long-term goals that motivate folks, but uh, uh, in my opinion, uh, th and they do. But, you know, to get to the long-term goal, you, you have to have a series of uh, realistic short-term goals that, that uh, you know, keep you fired up and keep you motivated. Well, you mentioned last time, hearing from Bob Stover, that inch by inch, life's a cinch, yard by yard, life's hard. Yes, yes. And, and uh, that little quote, believe it or not, when I become overwhelmed in business, that, that little quote, I can, I can say, okay, I'm overwhelmed, you know. I got to get through this, what I need to do. And I'll make the list, you know. And, and that list is really reflects the inch by inch life's, life's a cinch, yard by yard, life is hard. Because if I look at the whole list, I'm overwhelmed. 
But if I looked at number one on the list and say, okay, uh, can I do that myself or can I hand it off to one of my uh, uh, teammates? And uh, you ask that question on each thing on the list, and at the end of the day, uh, you know, you, <laughs> you, you can get there. Uh, but uh, that one little quote has made a difference in my life in many ways, whether it be as a student or as a business person. And it's, and it's so simple that really uh, it's crazy, but uh, uh, it, it, it registered in my mind as a young uh, college student, and uh, it stuck with me. And, and uh, for years, I had it in my wallet. And, uh, and as you know, uh, uh, I've been collecting quotes for the rest of my life, <laughs> but that, that was, that, that kind of kicked off the uh, quote collection uh, process. Right. Well, that makes so much sense. Um, taking a minute to take a breath and make a list. I'm sure that calms you down. It helps you say, all right, I'm either going to do this or I'm going to delegate this. Yes. But it focuses you on what you're trying to achieve. Absolutely. I think this is practical and it's on target and it's really, really valuable. So thank you for that. Yeah, well, it's valuable for me. Uh, and again, uh, staying motivated uh, and managing your attitude is a very personal thing. And, and what, what works for me may not work for you, but uh, the key is you need, to, you, you need to find out what works for you and, and because keeping a positive attitude is, is so important to uh, success as a leader. I love what you just said. What works for one doesn't work for another. And we've got to know what works for us as individuals. Absolutely. Uh, what's motivating to one person may be demotivating to another. That's, that's exactly right. Um, well, sometimes I'm sure in, in your businesses, you've had people that you really were sold on, that you believe in, that you feel like you can build with. And then they come to you and say, Mac, I'm, I'm leaving. I'm moving on. I've, I've found another opportunity. I'm going somewhere. Assuming you, you do want to keep them on your team, what are some things you would say or maybe actions you would take that could make a difference in, in keeping that really valuable person? Well, well, it goes back to really caring about that individual and, and what makes them feel the way they do. And to find out what makes them feel the way they do, the only way to do it is the listen-ask formula. Hmm. And you sit there, whether it takes an hour or two hours or whatever, and, and you really dive and you really let them share with you uh, the reasons they feel the way they do. And at the end of the day, once you hear those reasons, it, you might feel it, it may be best uh, for them to, to move on and, and, and go after something that uh, will advance their career and, 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 uh, and if you really love them as a person, uh, then you you're you're all for could be all for that. But if 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 at the end of the day there's something you can do uh, to make them feel differently uh, about you know why they're leaving, then the only way you can find out is get to the real reasons. And sometimes people don't want to tell you the real reasons unless. You spend uh, an hour or two with with them using that little simple two step process, and that's listen, ask, and uh, and you know what, um, Dan, uh, something that uh, uh, I heard Mary Kay Ash speak uh, um, probably twenty five years ago, maybe thirty years ago, and she talked about her first sales job. And she was so excited to attend the convention, and and um, she sees the the number one guy, and 
she makes her way through the crowd and, and she extends her hand and, and she says, can, can, can you share with me some of your secrets to success? And, and um, he looked at her and just turned and walked away. And she never forgot that moment, she said. She said, if I ever enjoy any success in my life, I'm gonna share it with others. And when she went into a, a room filled with people, when she became successful, she used to pretend that everyone in the room had a sign around their neck that said, make me feel important. And you know what? We all uh, wanna feel important. And one of your challenges uh, as, as a leader and as a person that you're having that conversation with uh, is, is you wanna let them know just how important they are uh, in, in this organization and how important they've been in affecting lives in this organization and how important uh, they've been uh, to you personally. And, and um, so I think, uh, and, and one of the key ways to make anyone feel important is to sincerely listen to what they have to say. And, and it's a simple formula, but I keep coming back to the, to the, the listening idea um, and, and that listening is wanting to hear. And people can sense, they can truly sense if you're a great listener or, or if you're just listening to, 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 to get through the conversation. But uh, making people feel important when you're having that conversation with someone you want to keep um, is is critical, I think. And uh, but it's got to be sincere, right? So I take it you don't believe in telling that person you're disloyal and you don't appreciate all the good things I've done for you. Yeah, <laughs> you got that right. <laughs> you got that right. That's an emotional reaction, isn't it? Yeah, it sure is. We've got to stifle that, push it down, and think what what are we about here? What's our purpose? What what do we need to do? Absolutely. And to have the confidence to listen and ask, as you said. I think it's fantastic. Um, Mac, we live, we live in a complicated world. Uh, we live in a world with increasing uh, tension, um, discord. Um, what would you share with our listeners about things that they could maybe do right after this podcast to help lighten the load of the world a little bit, to, uh, to help people come together? Well, one of the keys to my success, I think, uh, is I, I truly understand uh, the power of kindness. And um, I said earlier, uh, companies don't succeed, uh, people do. And, and um, again, people don't care how much you, they, they don't care, uh, what, yeah, what we know until they know how much you care. And, and so um, I know that, um, uh, General Earl Hailston, and one of my favorite stories is is Charlie Gibson on uh, back in 2003 was interviewing General Earl Hailston. He was three miles off the border of Iraq uh, station. Uh, uh, he was a general of the U.S. Marines. He's waiting to go to war, and Charlie was there interviewing. He said, "General, uh, uh, um, if you." Um, do you have any prof uh, any any hobbies other than your profession? He said, "Yeah, I do." He said, "I I, I love photography, especially taking photos of, of my men." He said, "I've been here three days, and each day I'll go out in the field and take photos of my men. At night, I'll go back to my tent, and I'll email that photo with a short note back to their moms in, in the states." And Charlie said, "Wow, I mean, what do you say?" And then the general turned on his computer and and. I'll paraphrase the last letter he had written. He said, Dear Mrs. Johnson, he said, he said, you might 
enjoy seeing this photo of your son. He's, he's doing great. And, and you did great as a parent. And he's a wonderful young man. And I'm honored to serve with him in the U.S. Marines, General Earl Haleston. And I got to tell you, Dan, I, I had goosebumps, you know, watching that. Uh, because here's a man that truly understood what caring, kindness, and, and 212 leadership uh, uh, was all about. But uh, so I guess to answer your question about what we can do uh, to make the world uh, a better place is just make it uh, uh, a little kinder. And and um, uh, not only will uh, you feel better, but I can assure you that uh, everybody you touch feels better. So that's uh, that's my advice anyway. I love it, Mac. I can't imagine a better way to wrap up what's been an incredibly illuminating and most importantly, uplifting conversation for me. I feel like I've been talking to somebody that I've, I've known forever and I've only known you half of forever. <laughs> so uh, it's just been great. So Mac shared with all of us the importance of music. I think on that final note, we should all listen to the song, Try a Little Tenderness because it'll go a long way. So Mac, on behalf of all of our listeners everywhere, thank you. Thank you for sharing of your heart, of your background, your spirit, your vision with all of the listeners of The Action Catalyst. Yeah, well, thank you, Dan. You've been great. Wow. That was a tutorial. That was a case study that the Harvard Business School can never get close to. I'm just gonna try to reflect on some of the learnings that, that I got from listening to what Mac had to say. We, we talked first of all about what you do when you hit a brick wall, uh, a problem you don't know how to solve, some issue. Uh, Mac shared a couple of things, and not quite in this order, but one of them he said, just realize that starting a business is like a maze. You go forward and then you hit a blank wall and you, you turn left or right and then you find a little way out and then you find another way out and you keep forward. But he said one of the most important things is to manage attitude. And when he shared about the tremendous business setback, not only that, but I know that he was personally close to that top executive who passed away from brain cancer. And to be in a position where you owe a lot of money after being one of the great success stories in business is a terrible situation to be in. He said that he did several specific things. One was to get advice from people that he trusted. And a board member, Mike Singletary, came in and said, Mac, you're the same guy. You're the same guy that built this. You're not any different, and we can build it back. Now, I've seen Mike Singletary, and if he told me anything, I'd believe him. But Mac had the wisdom to believe that. He relearned certain skills. He, he hired others. It was the opportunity, as he put it, to begin again more intelligently. He realized, of course, that attitude and energy are directly tied to uh, energy level, and that if he could figure out how to keep his energy level high, then it could make things happen. So along the way, he's developed sort of five winning strategies, and I want to try to summarize these five. Number one, the importance of exercise. Nobody can build a solid structure if the foundation is weak. And if our health is not there, if we don't feel fit and strong and have vitality and stamina, we can't build on that. And so Max, focus on exercise and staying fit where he can do the things that he wants to do is incredibly important. This is very resonant for me because I know that when the person doesn't feel good about themselves, they can't do very well with others. And I've certainly had those periods of time when I didn't feel on top of my physical condition. When we get into any kind of an exercise program, it helps us. Now, you may be wondering what kind of exercise to do. The answer is anything, anything, whether it's walking 10,000 steps a day, whether it's climbing 10 flights of steps a day, whether it's walking faster than you normally walk, whether it's riding a bicycle, whether it's taking the stairs instead of the elevator, 
anything, exercise. It helps us to feel better. It helps us to live longer, and it gives us internal confidence. Number two, he turns to others for advice and guidance. There's an old saying that no human can be objective about herself or about himself. And so we need others that can look at us and give us that advice, like that great linebacker saying, Mac, you're the same guy that you were before. Third, look for internal sources of wisdom that come from books, that come from audios, that come from podcasts, that come from videos, because those inspirations work in our subconscious mind and they give us ideas. That's why quotes are so important and they've been so important to Mac. I think they're, they're important to all of us. Fourth, those emotional triggers. Uh, nobody could argue that music is not an emotional trigger. Every person on this podcast has had times when a song came on that you hadn't heard in 20 years and it takes you immediately back to what you were doing at that stage in your life, people you were with, who you hung out with. We trigger our own emotions with music. Mac's got three favorite songs that he loves to listen to. What are your three favorite? What are my three favorites? These are songs that never get old. We never get tired of hearing them because they're so important. And then one I've never heard before, the one minute laugh. Now I have actually tried this uh, with Mac's suggestion. And the first 10 seconds are the most phony, fake, ridiculous, contrived, put on laugh you can ever imagine. But after a while, you start to hear yourself trying to laugh, and then that's really funny. And then you start hearing yourself again, and before you know it, you are hooting and hollering, and it is physiologically impossible to laugh for a minute and not feel better. You get an endorphin overload. You flood your emotional engine just like a car can get flooded, but it's with the good stuff, the one-minute laugh, which is so key. And what Mac has learned is that we have to reinforce these things. In other words, motivation is not a a pill that you take when you feel bad. It's more like a vaccine that we take repeatedly. It's, it's like the vitamins to prevent us from getting sick. And uh, of course, Zig Ziglar, priceless quotation. Yeah, motivation wears off. So does bathing. That's why we recommend it every day. I think you've been heard from what Mac has said that he's been a student throughout his life and the great people that he's met, he's learned from and made these notes because that's such an important thing. Dealing with problems. Relax, take a breath, make a list. Do one item and the other ones you either do or you delegate. What a great attitude toward problem solving. I think it does something beyond just get some things done. It gets us into motion. And when we feel paralyzed and we're not able to move, our confidence goes down. And motion affects emotion. There's an old saying that we all practice at Southwestern, and that is that action cures fear. Action cures fear. And if we'll write down something that we're concerned about and do that one thing, then the fear of it goes away, we start to feel more comfortable, and then we can do some other things because that's such an important thing. Uh, Mac has fallen back time and time again on lessons from different stages in, in his career, having those short-term realistic goals. Remember, inch by inch, life's a cinch. Yard by yard, life is hard. So setting some short-term goals and ticking those off and getting that done because it's important. Uh, Mac doesn't coast for a couple of reasons. First, he's always regarded himself as a competitor. And even though some of us don't feel like we like to compete against others, we definitely can all compete against ourselves. What was my best yesterday? Can I do better today? Can we do better to improve the world? Can we make our product better? Can we reinforce what's going on? He also learned along the way the importance of that one extra degree. And I highly recommend picking up the book 212. We'll find a way to make that available through links on our theactioncatalyst.com because 212, that extra degree, that extra effort, that extra focus, that's the difference between really hot water and harnessing steam that can power a locomotive and change the world.
really incredible. We talked about uh, dealing with difficult people, and I really loved the way Max started. He said, well, first of all, realize that sometimes people being difficult are really good because they challenge your way of thinking. Uh, he didn't want to be surrounded by people that always said, yes, Mac, whatever you think. He said, uh, they may hurt my feelings, but you know what, when I think about it, they were often right, and that helped me grow. It takes a confident person to feel that way. And then the other kind, when they're, when they're just causing problems, we listen for a long time, we try to help them. We use uh, Jim Cathcart's philosophy that Matt quoted, that what listening really means is a true wanting to hear. Listening means I want to hear. It's not, I'm gonna pretend to listen so I can tell you what I think. And figuring out if we can deal with it, and if not, sometimes we gotta pull the weeds. And that's just a fact of life as we move forward and it helps others really blossom in a great way. Retaining people. It's all about caring. It's all about mission. It's all about realizing that people look at the leader to set the example. And if we do that listen and ask formula, listen and ask, we're gonna figure out if we might be able to make a real difference. I appreciated what Max said, that it may take a while to get to the real reason. It may take an hour, it may take two hours. Sometimes it takes longer. But when we get to the real reason, it's only because they realize we truly care and that we're not gonna put them at risk by telling us what the real reason is. And understanding fundamentally that attitude of helping others feel important because they are important is what retention is all about. Showing genuine appreciation to other people. There's so much wisdom that just came. I'm gonna to listen to this again because I know I've missed a lot of things. But I think the last thing I'd like to wrap with this is this. Managing our attitude is two things. First of all, it's our responsibility. We can't depend on somebody else to walk into the room and say, I'm gonna manage your attitude for you. We have to stand up and say, managing my attitude is my responsibility. And when we do that, we then have to realize that it's personal. That what motivates one person might not motivate another. Uh, the first time I heard about self-talk, somebody said, say this to yourself, Dan. And I did it and I thought it was ridiculous and it didn't work and I felt less motivated. And I realized why because I was using the self-talk phrase or the mantra of somebody else. Fit them perfectly. But that person and I are very different clothing sizes. If I'd try to put on his trousers or his jacket, it wouldn't have fit me either. So knowing ourselves, knowing what works for us, that's what it's about. So managing attitude is personal. If music doesn't work for you, do something else. If exercise doesn't work for you, think again, you're wrong. But if self-talk doesn't work for you, change your self-talk. If the people you hang out with don't motivate you, I promise you, change the people you hang out with and it will make a big difference. So I feel like I've been immensely impacted by this time with Mac Anderson. I've been a student, I appreciate him, and it's a privilege to be able to call him friend. So let's put this all to work, each of us. I'm challenged to do that, I hope you are as well. And we look forward to having you next time. In the meantime, remember, avoid mediocrity. Don't get complacent. Figure out how to move forward to those goals and realize there's ways around setbacks, there's ways around obstacles care deeply, and let's do our part to make the world a kinder place. Dan Moore, look forward to next time. Bye-bye.